Chapter 3 Yama sat up in bed, sheets draping him. He spent months in this apartment. It was beginning to feel like home. Morning sunlight streamed through eastern skylights. In the high windows above the western wall, the upper city floated in golden panorama. This was typical of Rebecca's designs. Her architecture always drew the eye upward and the feet afterward. Entryways lay in the east, the place of origins, and on the lowest level. By rising through a gentle turn, the entrant came to see a spectacular view of the west, the place of destinies. Council hall, amphitheater, palaces, temples, the skyline of the eighth terrace presented a visual feast. By way of gentle stairs, the viewer rose toward the vision. The architect of ascension, Rebecca called it, transforming all who entered. The bed was another entranceway, admitting a person from the land of dream. Yarmouth had just arrived from such a place. He had been visiting Rebecca there. His dreaming eye had seen her approach, bearing a perfect world in her arms. Except it hadn't been a perfect world, but her disease-ridden husband. Thysis. Yarmouth yawned. Glaceon suffered from Thysis. Progressive degeneration. Magic only exacerbated it. Removing the power stone from Glaceon's wheelchair had allowed the lesions on his back to clear up. Other advances came more slowly. Yalmoth had found plenty of microbial organisms. Little beasties was the name he used, in the various samples harvested from his patient. But all were secondary infections. The primary microbes were elusive. Yalmoth began to wonder if the creature he sought bridged the worlds of flesh and magic, affecting both but residing in neither. I just may find out today. In search of answers, he was bound for the filthiest, darkest place in Halcyon, the Caves of the Damned. This warren of caverns below the manor rig was the home to criminal outcasts of Halcyon, the Untouchables. They were rife with thysis. Surely Glaceon had been infected by the man who stabbed him. Find that man, and he would find the source of the disease. The Caves of the Damned had once been a penal colony where the city shipped all its incorrigibles. Thieves and murderers were sent down into brimstone darkness. There, they were to farm mushrooms and catch blind-eyed fish and carve obsidian. There, they would learn communal cooperation or die. Some learned too well. They banded together, overthrew their counselors and facilitators, and took over the caves. Every attempt Halcyon made to force a surrender resulted in dead negotiators. War was declared. The Halcyon Guard marched down to reclaim the caves. The prisoners fought viciously in their own element. At last, the city relented. It sealed off all but one entry into the caves and posted a garrison there to prevent upward incursions. Though the city had lost control of its penal colony, it had not lost a repository for its human refuse. Every day, chain parades of prisoners trooped down into the darkness. Their crimes were serious enough to result in the renunciation of their citizenship. Citizens of Halcyon were allowed to descend into the caves to visit relatives, to minister to the ill, to do whatever they dared beyond the reach of law and reason. One's weapons were identified, and the citizen could not emerge unless all weapons came back with him. Some citizens even drifted down to remain there. Lunatics and indigents, laggards, disaffected youths, perverts, brawlers, and any number of others who found life in heaven more hellish than life in hell. As Rebecca once said, Halcyon was a place of ascension, and some people preferred to descend. Today, Yalmoth was one of those folks. He donned his old travel robes. The leather was cleaned and mended at Rebecca's insistence. Even when tattered, they had been proof against daggers in the back. The metal plates and ringmail, sewn into the lining, made that sure. These were robes that had guarded him against the attacks of orcs and lizardmen. Surely they could ward off the diseased. 
In one interior pocket, he tucked metal flasks and a set of scalpels. Into another, he slipped three power stone lanterns. Two long coils of rope lay in the bags by the door. About his waist, Yalmoth strapped a wide belt with daggers, darts, a pair of swords, all dipped in poison. Yalmoth felt at home in the company of the damned. There is nothing we could do for you once you descend, shouted the guard captain from the embankment above the caves of the damned. There was never anything you could do for me, Yalmoth called back over his shoulder. He stood above a stone shaft that descended into utter darkness. The space seemed a mucusy larynx. Yalmoth had cut one open once, and a chill breath came up from the black heart of the world. The thousands of others who had descended here and etched a swift back path along one slanting wall. Yalmoth had no patience to descend as others. He stooped to check the cable he nodded to the stone column and then flung the vast coil into the unlit space beneath him. Rope unwound. The loop disappeared down the giant stone throat. It yanked tight and slapped the wall. Wrapping the rope once about him, Yalmoth stowed his lantern onto his belt. He donned steel palm gloves, clutched one hand on the rope above, and clamped the other on the strands below. They'll find out you have no kin there. They'll strip your weapons and kill you and eat you, the captain insisted. Cannibals, madmen, and monsters. Madmen, monsters, and me, Yalmoth declared. He flung himself out into the empty air. He hung there a moment and then plummeted. Kor whirred through his hands. The lantern flickered. Its golden light cast a ring across the cave walls. Yalmoth tightened his grip. The rope snapped taut. Yalmoth extended his legs, seeing his own shadow loom up across the wall. His feet struck stone. He pushed off again and releasing the whirling line. Rippling walls slid upward past him. He plunged. Blackness above and blackness below. Yalmoth inhibited a slim ring of light. Each time his feet struck stone, the lantern flickered a loose power stone, and threatened to go out. It was the sort of claustrophobic moment that would unhinge the minds of most men and women. But Yamoth needed neither light nor solid ground to be at home. He needed only himself. One bound brought him down beside a ledge. His circle of light revealed a pile of bones, the remains of travelers who had slipped from the path and landed in broken heaps. The fall had killed them, and something had eaten them. Cave crickets, roaches, mice, perhaps the damned themselves. Yalmoth passed a rag-garbed woman making the ascent. She cowered in the shadow of a stalgamite. If she had a light with her, it was hidden beneath the shabby clothes. Yalmoth's swift approach must have been terrifying to her. He looked directly into her eyes and flashed his glittering smile. Her look of fear deepened. Yalmoth brought his boot thudding to the ground beside her hiding place. He locked his gaze with hers. Then he pushed off and plunged further. The woman clambered from hiding, ignited her own light, a crude thing of oil and wick and scrambled up the treacherous trail. Yalmoth continued down. For a time, there was only the whir of line through steel palm gloves, the rhythm of boots striking stone. The first rope had been a thousand feet long, with knots long as fifty feet. He reached those knots now, and stopped to tie off the other five hundred foot length he carried at his waist. It bore him down past more of the same until the knots in his end struck his hands. He pulled up short, dangling in midair beneath an overhang. He fetched his lantern from the waist and held it out. The shaft descended straight away into the murk, but in that murk, figures moved. They were human, or once had been. Perpetual darkness had given their skin an otherworldly paylor. Their eyes were wide and black in their faces. Frown lines creased their mouths. Blade scars creased cheeks and jaws. Filthy clothes draped gaunt frames. The larger males wore the thickest, cleanest, and newest garments. A giant of a man stood at the center of the crowd. He was taller than Yamoth and double his weight. 
garbed in warm wool and provisioned with weapons, he was a man of considerable influence and ability. You better start climbing back up, spider, the man growled. No guards here. Dangling above, Yalmoth said, I am not a guard. I am a healer. Angry laughter rattled among the damned. The giant said, A man who heals with swords? A healer who knows blades both large and small, Yalmoth replied. Why would a healer come here? asked the giant, motioning some of his folk to climb the ledge above Yalmoth. I seek a man, a man with a deadly disease, a disease that is ravaging your people, Yalmoth said. Craven figures made their way up the path. The giant hissed. My people? Since when do you parasites care about my people? Yalmoth saw no reason to lie. Since the artificer Glaceon has become infected with the plague, I want to find the man who stabbed him, if that man still lives. It was in the last raid on the manor rig a little over a year ago. A prisoner stabbed a white-haired man who stood in the charging chamber. I want to find that prisoner. I want to study the disease that is killing him and Glaceon, and many others here as well. If I can map the stages of degeneration, if I can discover the factors leading- His words were cut short along with the rope that held him aloft. Yalmoth plunged 30 feet toward the cave floor. Prisoners scattered below him. Only the giant remained. Yalmoth dropped to the ground and rolled. He came up standing, a pair of blades flashing out. They struck the giant's own blades, already converging to take off his head. He flung back the seal and ducked under and away. The giant man lunged after him. Yalmoth was too quick. He spun. His swords cracked against the prisoner's metal and cut a shallow trowel in his side. Yalmoth staggered back and caught his breath. The giant paused. He dragged a bloody hand from the wound. If I'm going to add this sword toddling hero to my 530 kills, I would like to know his name. I am Yalmoth. Soon all of you will know that name. Will know it and be glad you know it. He charged the giant, his swords carving separate arcs toward the man. All but you. You will be dead. Yalmoth batted back his foe's defenses and speared inward. Steel darted tongue-like and tasted the man's blood again. The sword emerged crimson. And what underworld king have I the honor of killing? Gore draped the man's teeth as he staggered back. His underling snickered in the shadows. King? I am only a gate guard. I am Jorn the gate guard. As though insulted? You are not even that anymore. His hands flickered from his belt. A dart leapt through the air. It quivered in Dorn's forehead. He stood for a moment more, the poison spreading through his brain. That gory grin was his last expression. The man went down like a felled tree. Yalmoth calmly walked to the fallen man and stepped onto his back. He turned slowly about. His eyes pinned the others, one by one, to the wall. I have more poison darts here. Enough for five of you. There are also daggers and swords and other devices. Everyone will get his turn. Or perhaps, you can believe me and conduct me inward. An old woman spoke out of the darkness. Who but a soldier would come looking for the man who stabbed a genius? It no longer matters to you what I am. Soldier or healer. It only matters that I turn my attentions on someone else. Do you care if I plan to kill the man? Care instead whether I will first kill you. I will take you to him, said a boy. The voice was shrill and determined, and immediately drowned out by a chorus of ejecting adults. They clustered about him, and someone began to drag the protesting child deeper into the caves. Away from him, 
shouted Yawmoth. He charged toward the mob. Anyone near the boy will die. Like frightened rats, they scattered back once more. Only the boy was left. His cheeks showed red marks when someone had clamped a hand over his mouth. Fear shone in his wide eyes, but he did not stagger away like the others. Yawmoth halted before him and went to one knee. He fixed the child with a piercing stare. You know who stabbed the man a year ago in the manor rig? The lad nodded. Yawmoth extended his hand toward the lad. Lead me to him. The boy led Yawmoth forward into a low, sloping passage that wound unevenly down into the darkness. The boy was sure-footed on those rumpled steps. Yawmoth was less so. He clung to the child with one hand and held out his power stone light with the other. The light flickered feebly before them. Behind came the furtive steps of others, following. Here and there, dark archways opened his side chambers. Haunted eyes stared out. Steel glinted. The boy turned down none of these. Yamoth spoke, his voice watery against the stone. Where are we going? Where is this man? The boy answered easily. He's in the quarantine cave with the others. Ah, very good, Yamoth said with a nod. A quarantine cave. When somebody gets sick, they send him here. To keep it from spreading, Yamoth supplied. That's good. The boy shook his head. It's still spreading. They reached the base of the winding passage. It opened out on a lofty shelf. Below spread an enormous cave. It seemed a valley in the world above, its vault dark with night and its base glimmering with tiny fires. All about those fires, faces huddled. Figures slept in cold bundles nearby. There were thousands in that cavern. A few lifted their eyes to see the new arrivals, the tall man and the small boy, their light stabbing uselessly out in the overwhelming darkness. This is it? Yamoth asked, stunned. Yes, the boy said. The quarantine caves. Everyone here has the thysis? The sickness? Everyone. Yamoth crouched down beside him, not this time to look into his eyes, but to steady himself to hide his own eyes from the sight before him. Here he is, the man who stabbed Glaceon. The man who stabbed Glaceon? The man from the manor rig? The boy's tone was utterly solemn. Yes, he is here. His name is Gix.